Praise the Lord. All right, everybody take an offering envelope. We're going to receive the offering at the beginning because we never know how the service is going to end. And if you fall out and on the floor and I come and take your wallet and give the way I always wanted you to, then uh, you might be getting nervous. So take an offering envelope. If you're making out a check, make it to MHM Mark Hankins Ministries. You can give by cash, check, or credit card. If you're watching online, there's a place also where you can give, or you can just go to the website. You can give on the website, markhankins.org. Uh, right now, we're building a conference center. And we had about a year delay because of a lot of different reasons. So we put probably about a million dollars into it already, cash, and then we got probably another million to go. And so you can give towards the conference center. You can give towards getting the books translated. And the conference center will also be a new TV studio where we'll be distributing the word. Amen. So towards the conference center we need, well, we've probably got at least 500,000 of it. So we probably need about another 500,000. So the money will come. Amen. I said the money will come. I mean, man, uh, this year we had the first year in which uh, <laughs> uh, we received a million dollars in one day. That's pretty good. I mean, we had a million month, but one day, the secretary said, a oh, million dollars come up. That ain't bad. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So the money will come, and the earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof. And uh, we... Um, feel like there's a turn that is happening right now for the sake of the gospel. And that is that um, the Lord said to this, uh, something like this, that money's moving, money's shaking, and strongholds are breaking. Uh, in other words, money that has been held up or property, come on, or land or building, uh, that all that's going to be shaken right now in the next 12 months, and there's going to be like a breakthrough for the sake of the gospel of Christ. Everybody say, for the sake of the gospel of Christ. And so they call it the, the God's righteous cause. And uh, you'll know in America, in our country, a lot of countries, there's many good causes that you can give to. Many good causes. I mean, you know, you can actually give to support homeless dogs if you want. You know, I don't know if I could support a cat or not, but I mean, the homeless dogs. <laughs> They just can't do the same thing with music, you know. Tell the little dog, you adopt a dog, $25 a month. Uh, but if they do catch, you're like, oh, shut up. So, uh, but for the first time, <laughs> some of y'all have cats, please forgive me. But for the first time in our life, we have a granddaughter uh, named Hadley, and, and she insisted that Nana trying to get her a cat. Well, we don't have no cats in the house and um, no dogs in the house, no pets and, and very few people. But uh, so, <laughs> so we got, we, we got two little kittens and they are now uh, yard cats, yard cats. And they stay out in the yard. They're the most fun I've ever seen. Cats have so much fun, man. They like, they like hopping. They, one of them caught a squirrel the other morning. Boy, I got that squirrel down. That squirrel was like. You know, crying out for mercy. I just couldn't help. But uh, uh, <laughs> these yard cats are phenomenal. We have actually not seen a snake in our yard. We kind of live out in the country a little bit. Have not seen a snake in our yard since we got the two cats. And so we have two cats, a male and a female, and their brother and sister. And so one of them is called Maxie, and he's the male. And then Rosie is the female. And Rosie is uh, a little cross-eyed. So she kind of walks around like this. So, um, huh? 
No, my mama told me not to do that. They get stuck. <laughs> Did your mama ever tell you don't cross your eyes? They get stuck. Yeah, well, don't be, don't use wisdom, you know. As you cross your eyes, one of these days you'll come home and you're like, hey, bro, I say, who, who are you anyhow? I'm putting you up for adoption. So, uh, <laughs> Rosie, <laughs> and so what was I talking about anyway? So, so people try to raise money for everything on television. All kinds of stuff, you know, and, and some good stuff. Uh, but the highest investment in our life is in the gospel of Christ. Amen. In the gospel of Christ. My, my dad is with the Lord now, but every time he'd tell the testimony of our family, my grandpa, my grandma, you know, and you go back through the family, and my dad would say, I remember when the gospel of Christ came to the Hankins family. In other words, when the gospel of Christ came into our family, my grandpa was, you know, a successful businessman, but he's an alcoholic. You know, my grandma and, and my great-grandma was sick. She went to a meeting and got healed. And my grandpa went and, and saw she got healed, and then uh, he got saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, and called to preach. And that changed our whole family. Amen. So somebody paid for that gospel to come to us. And now it's our turn to pay so the gospel will go to somebody else. Amen. So my daddy would always cry. He said when the gospel came. So turn to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to receive the offering here in just a moment. And uh, so we're going to give and act like the Bible is true. Um, Philippians chapter 4 verse 19 is pretty much a classic not just financial scripture, but it's just a classic scripture, Philippians 4.19. It's amazing scripture, isn't it? But my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches in glory by Jesus Christ. My God shall supply all of your need. In other words, you have more than financial needs. Uh, but he said he'll meet every one of your needs. When you need a friend, when you need opportunity, when you need a job, when you need a word in season, my God gets involved in every need in my life. According to his riches in glory by Jesus Christ. Well, uh, phenomenal scripture, but um, P.C. Nelson wrote Bible Doctrines for the Assemblies of God. And he said that um, some scriptures should have what he saw on a coupon. And on the coupon it said, not valid if detached. So the reason some people don't get better results from verse 19 is they detach it from 18, 17, 16, 15. Try it getting kind of quiet in here. In other words, you're going to have to leave that where it is and find out why he said that to them. My God shall supply. So look at verse 15 is where we'll get started. And Paul says this in verse 15. He said, you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. He said, nobody gave like you gave concerning giving, and your giving affects your receiving. Amen. He said, and beginning of the gospel, I mean, it's a pretty strong thing to tell this church 
you're the only ones that actually helped me preach the gospel. It's amazing. How many of y'all like to be in that list? I mean, like, that's an eternal thing. So verse 16, he says, even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again to my necessity. He said, you gave once and then you gave again. And he says, not that I desire a gift, he said, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. The word account there actually literally means that you have an account. You have an account. Uh, yeah, I've seen people go to the cash machine, you know, and try to get money out and stand there three times, and you ain't got nothing in there. Like, give it up. And so you got to have something in that account. This is not just for everybody to walk by. You know, you can say, hey, it's cash machine there. Let me get some. Well, you're going to have to get some from your account. <laughs> you get from nobody else's account. So he says you actually have an account. Amen? I believe churches have an account. I believe individuals have an account. And so he says, uh, not because I desire a gift, I desire fruit that may abound to your account. In the words, he said, uh, you gave once, you gave again, and now something supernatural is going to happen. To your account. Hmm. I should like to have something supernatural happen in my account. Amen. And then he says, verse 18, he says, you gave once, gave again. Verse 18, he says, but I have all in a bound. I'm full. I've received of Epaphroditus the things ever sent from you. It says, an odor, a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable and well-pleasing to God. So he says, uh, your generosity or your giving he said, Paul says, I have more than enough. I have more than enough because you gave and then you gave again until I had more than enough. He said, and your giving is a sweet smell, uh, sacrifice acceptable and well-pleasing God. In other words, he said, your giving came up before God like worship. That's what that is, sweet smell. And your giving got God's attention. Well, I like that. I said, I like God to notice. Come on, the generosity and the giving. He said he gave once, gave again. Came up like worship, which means a couple of things. One, it means is that you can actually worship without singing. And, you know, I've heard some of y'all sing, so you should thank God for that. But uh, you don't have to sing to worship. You can actually worship with your tithes and your offerings are your giving. In other words, your tithes, your offerings, your giving actually declares the value of the gospel in your life and in your family. All right, let's try it one more time. Come on, your, your tithes, your offering, your giving. You know, so the bumper sticker said, don't, don't honk if you love Jesus. Tithe if you love Jesus. Anybody can honk. So you don't want to be a honky, you want to be a tither. Come on, you want to be a sower. You want to be a giver if you love Jesus because that determines the value of the gospel, amen, that came to your life and your family, and you're wanting that gospel to go on in your generation. Can you say hallelujah? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So he says it came up before God and got God's attention. So how many situations do you have like that in the Scripture? Well, Acts chapter 10 we got a guy by the name of Cornelius, right? So he says, because your giving came up before God, 
you got involved in God's need. What was God's need? God's need is the distribution of the gospel. And we are partners in that distribution. Let's try it one more time. I said we are partners in the supply of the word that comes to our generation, come on our community, and we become partners. And so I think Dr. Lillenby Yeoman said it this way. She said, God has tied himself irrevocable to human cooperation. Or you could say it this way. God has sovereignly tied himself irrevocably to human cooperation in the execution of divine purposes. All right, let's try that one more time. In other words, God has a purpose and a plan through our assignment to preach the gospel in our generation, every nation. But God has tied himself and partnered himself with human cooperation. In other words, allowing you to partner with God for the distribution of the gospel, for the eternal things. And it's the greatest value. Come on, it's the greatest value in the world. It's easy to be generous when you know your life here is temporary. Let's try that one more time. People are like, ah. I always tell the story about the guy that said, uh, uh, he told his wife, he said, I worked hard for my money and I saved my money and I got some money. He said, I'm going to be the first one to take it with me when I die. I'll be the first one. So he put, put it up in the attic. He said, it's all up in the attic. When I die, I'm going to take my money with me. So it wasn't long after that he died. And so the wife climbed up in the attic and all the money is still there. And so she said, huh, he should have put it in the basement. So in other words, so he could get it on the way down. So how many of y'all have figured that out? <laughs> ain't no U-Haul behind the hearse, baby. I mean, there ain't no U-Haul. Ain't nobody taking nothing with them. <laughs> My daddy did like 200 funerals in our little town, no pastor, in all those years. And people always say, well, man, I wonder how much money they left. And my dad said, all of it. <laughs> Every bit of it, man. <laughs> and so your investment in the gospel, right? And he said, because you got involved in the need to distribute the gospel and partnered with Paul and partnered with God. Now, my God. Imagine getting on the other end of that blessing. It's really a partner blessing. Come on, when you're a giver in the local church, you're a partner with the preaching of the gospel. Everybody gets saved, everybody gets healed. Come on. I got mutual fund, I got a part, man. If it goes up, I go up. Amen. So it's one of the greatest investments in the whole world is into the gospel of Christ. And so he says, now because you did that. I'm going to connect you to verse 19. Not valid if detached. So if 19 is not working for you the way that you think it should, you just got to check out 18, 17, 16, 15. Y'all still here. And the greatest thing about it is anybody can be in partnership with the gospel, with God. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right, so go to Acts chapter 10. Here's one more instance, and I'll, I'll uh, let you think about it for a while. So in Acts chapter 10 is the story of Cornelius. You know the story of Cornelius. And um, Cornelius was not a Christian, but he was hungry for God and did not know exactly how to pray, but he still prayed. Did you know there are people that are not Christians 
that prey. But he is hungry for God, Cornelius. He was not a Christian yet, but he was a generous giver. And Acts chapter 10 says, and his generosity came up before God like a memorial. Now, you know any more memorial giving in the Bible? Come on, the woman with alabaster box. She poured that on Jesus, right? And that was approximately one year's salary, they said. The value, and it was so valuable that the disciples even got mad. They said, this is very wasteful. You shouldn't have done this for Jesus, very wasteful. But Judas was the biggest, you know, griper. And he was stealing. He was a thief. So her generosity when she gave, and she really didn't sing one song. Oh, everybody sings about it, but she didn't sing nothing. Her generosity was extravagant, and she poured that out on Jesus. And somebody said, and when Jesus was on the way to the cross, he could smell the aroma of someone who honored him. Imagine Jesus said, everywhere you preach the gospel, you have to talk about this woman's extravagant generosity. Are y'all still here? Everywhere you preach the gospel, you've got to talk about this woman's extravagant generosity. Amen. And so it, it was a memorial in giving, and so that kind of generosity Really, actually, Jesus said, she actually helped me get ready for my biggest assignment. Wow, did you know that through generosity, you can actually propel the gospel into a destiny that God has a plan? Just through generosity, you don't have to be cute. You don't have to be pretty. You don't have to be able to sing. Come on now. But your generosity. Wow. I mean, you, you think in, in our, we were preaching in uh, Egypt. Uh, I'm sorry. We were preaching in India and uh, went to where Mother Teresa, her home is and uh, other great, great things in India. But it's a very, very poor people. But Mother Teresa said her job was to feed the poorest of the poor. And so every day she would go out and Sandwiches out to the poorest of the poor. And uh, she had a team. So we went to where that distribution center was. And, and uh, then we went to a place, memorial made for her. Because at her funeral, presidents and kings came from all over the world to this poor little woman whose generosity of her life to the poorest of the poor. Well, I mean, think about it. I mean. She, she wasn't that attractive. I mean, I'm not saying she was ugly. I'm just saying she wasn't like Miss America or something like that. She, like she could never win a, a swimsuit competition. But so, <laughs> some of y'all are very serious right now. Yeah. So, so <laughs> Mother Teresa was not like, you know, the most talented. She could never be on America's Got Talent, you know, or The Voice or something like that. Right? But what could she do? Her generosity. The, the scripture says in Acts 13, 36, that the King David, that he served his generation according to the will of God. 
and then he died. Sometimes we serve ourselves. I take care of my family. Well, that's good. The Bible says you ought to do that. But on a bigger scale, King David served a generation according to the will of God. Man, that's what the Holy Ghost said about him. We know he wasn't a perfect man if you know his story, but he served his generation. Wow, if you ever look at First Chronicles 29, when they were taking up an offering for the temple, David said, I have of my own personal good and gave $1.5 billion. Turned to his mighty men and said, what y'all going to do? No pressure. And the mighty men, he had 400 mighty men that came to him distressed, discontent, and in debt. He said, what y'all going to do? And they gave $2.5 billion. Woo! Man, think about that. And that's the Old Testament. So unless we change the way we think about money, religion and the devil will talk us out of the influence God wants us to have. Come on, in our community, in our generation, for the land, the property, the buildings, come on, so you can preach the gospel on television, so you can go anywhere and translate books in a hundred different languages. You say, why? Because I, I could show up in Vietnam and say, I'm taking care of all the expenses of this whole conference. Come on, even missionaries are not glad to see you if you show up broke. They're like, yeah, yeah, could you go back home and bring some money? So, so I'm just saying <laughs> that there's something about um, who has said it this way. There's an invisible reservoir of abundance in the universe. Norman Vincent Peale. There's an invisible reservoir of abundance in the universe can be tapped by obeying certain spiritual laws. So if I could find out what those spiritual laws are, and access the abundance in the universe. Whew, man, you talking about some giving. You talking about supporting the gospel. You talking about leaving a legacy. You're talking about an eternal investment. Come on. God wants to raise up some men and women that just have a money ministry. That Come on, they had that in the New Testament. Their ministry was money. It was given. So that means you've got money. Come on. And God says, I see I can trust you with money. Amen. Your daddy tells a story, Steve, about the guy in your church named Dan, Dan Gale. And so Dad Bimmer went there to start a church in Burlington with nothing and knew nobody but this one guy from the Army. And so Dan Gale, and so Gay, and so he had a, a, a big farm and was very prosperous, and he gave y'all a house to live in the whole time y'all were there pastor, and he said, you don't have no charge, right? And, and he supported the church. And so the Lord blessed him and his farming, but he had two brothers that didn't do so well. So he bought another farm just for him and his two brothers, and he said, y'all pick out um, what piece of land that you want, we're going to divide it into thirds, and y'all pick first, and I'll take the last piece. Well, the two brothers, I mean, they picked the most beautiful piece of property for their farm, and they got another got a third. And so Dan got the last third, which was the worst piece of land, and it kind of had a gully in the middle of it. And so it looked like he got the worst deal. Well, the other guys, you know, they're farming, but Dan, he's supporting the gospel. 
Wasn't too long after that they came around and found oil on that farm. When they found oil on that farm, guess where they found it? It was in the gully, in the middle farm in the gully. They found oil on that farm. And he came and told your dad, he said, I'm going to give 50% of all of my oil income to the church so you can build a church. Come on. That's what Carnelius did, man. He said, I want to build a church. I want to do something with the gospel that has an eternal effect. That, that actually affects you and your children and your grandchildren. Anybody want to know what happened? Found oil. He gave Dad Beerman 50%, built the church, paid, paid cash for it. <laughs> I wonder if the Lord knew where that oil was supposed to go. Because the other two brothers didn't do squat. But one of them was a giver. God said, make sure the oil goes to that land right there. How many believe God can make sure some resources come into your hands? Come on, in the next 12 months, come on, the next 24 months. Amen, because we got a job to do. Come on, God can open up a, a reservoir of abundance in your life, and God's got so many different kinds of ways he can bless you and prosper you. Come on now. So, Carnelius was the giver, came up before God. Oh, man, well, you know, we could talk about this every night for a week. But his giving and his prayers, if you could just get the prayers to give and the givers to pray. In other words, his prayers and his giving, his generosity, came up before God. Listen, and God said, I'm going to do something at Carnelius' house that money could never do. What did he do? And he sent a Peter over there and got the whole family filled with the Holy Ghost. Come on. He sent angels on assignment. Got Peter coming over there, the best apostle. He comes over there. Man, Carnegie's is like, we're glad to see you. Whole family got filled with the Holy Ghost. Man, I'd rather have my whole family filled with the Holy Ghost than any amount of money in the world. Think about what his generosity, how it changed his whole family. The great thing about generosity is anybody can do it. You don't even have to be rich to do it. Actually, you can out-generous rich people. <laughs> Amen. I was at Brother Hagin's camp meeting one time, and, and my goal over the years was to keep stretching and giving more than I had given before. So I got, finally got up to giving, you know, a, a special offering for Rama, And so I finally got up to giving like $50,000. So I was like, man, you know, I've, I've accessed some abundance. So I brought the, and then I thought, well, next year I'm going to give 100000 so I'm not saying that all year long. I'm going to give 100000 to Raymond next time I come. I'm bringing $100,000 offering. Never done that before, you know. I'm just like, let's just do something I've never done before. Come on, if you're giving, don't at least get your attention. <laughs> it sure ain't going to get God's. I'm just saying, I mean, if you're giving, don't go, you go, are you sure about that? Do you ever think about that? Come on, have you ever had giver's remorse after you gave and all your life? And, and the devil told me after that, all the way home, the devil said, what you going to do if that giving don't work? 
And I, I, I said, well, it's going to be sad, I can tell you that. What you going to do if that giving don't work? <laughs> but the Lord said, don't let the devil intimidate you. He said, you turn that around and say, devil, what you going to do when it does work? Because God said he'll multiply my seed song. Amen. He'll make all grace abound towards me. So you ain't seen nothing yet. I ain't giving myself broke. I'm giving myself into an abundance and the increase of God. So I took 100000 next year. I got about 100000 I'm pretty happy about that, but it kind of stretched me. I was kind of like, my accounts were like, pray for me. So I took 100000 <laughs> That was years ago. And so I was flying home after that, and another friend of mine, he, he gave 100000 And so we said, yeah, we, we, we thank God for Raymond. We thank God for the gospel. Thank God for the word of faith. Change our lives. So we're so happy to be able to give. And uh, so the guy I was talking to, he said, yeah, he said, I, I only have $4 million left. <laughs> oh, I said, well, doggone it. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how much I got left, but it ain't nowhere close to $4 million. <laughs> got $4 million left. I said, you dog. Listen, <laughs> in other words, we gave the same amount, but I outgenerously. I don't want to talk anymore about this, but he was dead in six months. Are y'all still here? Well, but you got the four million left. But he was dead in six months. Oh, you say, with that, I'm not saying nothing. I'm just telling you what happened. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think I'd like to do some generosity. But I believe my generosity Come on. In other words, you may not be the biggest giver, but you can out-generous people that got more money than you do. All right, come on. Matter of fact, that guy came to Brother Hagin's meeting, and he gave a million dollars. He said, I'm going to match what everybody else gives here. What's his name? Uh, uh, I'll think of his name in a second. Anyway, so he gave a million. Everybody else gave a million. Two million for Ramah. And they said, well, how come you're giving a million? He said, I took $300, went into business, and turned it into $30 million. He said, but the way I turned it into $30 million is I heard the word of faith, and I heard about the Holy Ghost. And every morning I would pray for one hour. Then I would use the word, and the Lord showed me how to turn $300 into $30 million. Man, that's better than one of them seminars you got to pay 5000 to go to. Listen, <laughs> I mean, you could just open your Bible every morning and pray in the Holy Ghost and let the favor of God come on you and the wisdom of God come on you. In other words, God wants to take some people and bring in um, an abundance of finances for these last days. Come on, for the preaching of the gospel, and the harvest will not just be financial. It will be amazing grace and favor on your whole life. And that generosity gets God's attention, and God says, I like the way they gave. Are y'all still here? Barry Hahn, that was his name. Yeah, he gave a million dollars. He matched what everybody else gave. How many of y'all like to come to church and just say, I'd like to match what everybody else gave today. You know, or at least try your row, you know what I'm saying. 
check out who's on there, you know. So I'd like to match this row, whatever's given here. <laughs> See, I believe I could outgive your whole row. But you make generosity one of the one of the serious things in your life because of the 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 preaching of the gospel and Carnea's generosity. And so now I believe the next twelve months, Pastor Stephen Kim, all y'all listening, Pastor Markham, listen, the next twelve months, God's gonna open up avenues of supernatural resources to come into your church, into your life, into the ministry. Come on, that's going to open wide doors for the preaching of the gospel. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. And so when I found out that a money ministry in, as a Christian, if you can't sing, you could have worship through generosity. So I found out if you want to have a money ministry, right, you just say, Lord, 1 Timothy 6, Paul said, charge those that are rich in this world and tell them to be generous. The word there is actually extravagantly generous. <laughs> Amen. Because God gives us richly all things to enjoy. Well, let's try it one more time. I said, God gives us richly all things to enjoy. Come on, you don't have to feel bad about being rich and abundantly blessed. God's the one that blessed you. Come on, and gave you richly things to enjoy so you could give more than you've ever given, but you still have more than you ever had, and you can actually enjoy your blessing. Because a lot of rich people don't enjoy nothing. But when you're following Jesus, man, you can have the land and the property and the house and the car and the jet. Amen. But most people think, well, if you're going to give, you know, you have to give yourself poor. No. God told me, he said, I never designed tithes and offerings for you to decrease. He said, I never told you to tithe and give and say, well, y'all go broke. No, he said, you tithe and give, and I will open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing you don't have room enough to receive. <laughs> praise the Lord. Can you say praise the Lord? Can you say hallelujah? Can you say praise the Lord? How many are expecting some supernatural results in the area of your finances? Come on, that God can give you favor and open doors for your life. Amen. The Holy Ghost can cause things to come into your hands. The blessing of the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's pray about that for a moment. Amen. Let's pray about it for a moment. And let's declare it that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And don't let religion talk you out of it. Go ahead and let the Lord bless you and increase you and prosper you. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's pray about it a moment. Father God, right now, every person here tonight, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. My God supplies all of our needs according to his riches in glory by Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that jobs are blessed and prosperous and believers are blessed and increased. We'll give more than we have ever given, and, Lord, we'll still have more than we've ever had. 
thank you, Lord, for that spirit, the grace of God, the generosity breaking out for the preaching of the gospel in the hearts of every person that's here. We thank you for the increase of God. We declare that houses and lands, buildings and property come into our hands, into the body of Christ. Jets or cars or whatever we need for transportation will come into our hands. Thank you, Lord, for that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that the money will come. Uh, new avenues of resources and increase shall come into our hands in the next 12 months that we will be shocked and surprised and say, look, look what the Lord has done. Woo, come on, we once were poor, but now the blessing and increase of God upon our lives more than enough, plenty to give away, plenty to give away. Thank you, Lord, that we'll give more than we've ever given. That we'll break through in certain, certain areas of our finances. That you said when we sow generously, we'll reap generously. We thank you for that kind of increase. In the name of Jesus, the increase of God. Generosity. Amen. We'll start where we're at. Amen. We'll start where we're at. Generosity. We'll start where we're at. Amen. Some of you say, well, I'm not so rich, but we'll start where we're at. And we'll be generous, amen, and we'll go into new territory, and the money will come, the land will come, the buildings will come, houses will come, the property will come, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Ha, ha, ha. Amen. I said, real estate going up. All right, that's all right. I'm still getting mine. Hallelujah. <laughs> um. This missionary that we support, we support many missionaries for years and, and uh, every month for years and years, 40, 50 years. And uh, <clears throat> this missionary we support, I brought him to my house and he, he thought, well, I guess he thought my house was a little too nice. I, I don't think it's that extravagant at all. It's nice, but he thought so. Then he took him out of the garage and I had one of those uh, Ford Raptor trucks in it. A missionary, he said, he said, well, what you doing with a truck like that? I said, that's kind of like, I figured, I figured the Lord didn't make them for the devil and his kids, so he must have made some for me, so that's mine right there. So I thought, he's a little bit mad. He said, well, you could have given that money to the gospel. I said, oh, I see what you're saying. Actually, I do give quite a lot to the gospel. If you'd like to see, I can show you. I said, I do give quite a lot, and that's really how I got that truck. What I'm wondering is why you don't have one. <laughs> you ain't going to shame me on enjoying the blessings of the Lord. Come on, man. If I'm a tither, I'm a giver, I'm a sower. Come on now. God didn't say you're going to tithe and give, and you're going to have the you know, old broken down truck, you know, and everything else. No, he said, you're going to drive the best, wear the best, eat the best, and live in the best. Amen. So he said, your generosity will actually cause increase. So if somebody asks you how you got that, you say, well, blessing of the Lord. Amen. When David gave one and a half billion dollars, what did he say? He began to worship and he said, God of thine own hand. We have given to you. Come on, you better know where your prosperity came from. He said, God, you're the one that blessed me like that. 
and now I'm going to bless you back. Woo, come on now. How many think David went broke after that? No, it says he died full of riches and honor and long life. Amen. Go ahead and laugh about that. I said, he didn't die broke, man. He died rich. The blessing of the Lord actually make you rich, abundantly provided for. I, I, I just trust the Lord that we can break some barriers in our thinking and in our talking. Come on, I pastored for 20 years and and when I started pastoring, if we had $5,000 a week come in, we were like, praise the Lord, I'm breathing for another week. <laughs> Every Monday, you have to call the office, say, how much money came in? They tell you, you're like, oh, my God, oh, my God. <laughs> Any pastors in here ever call the office on Monday and say, how much, you know? Oh, my God, we better start the intercessory prayer group going here. And so I started teaching on to, to break some barriers, you know, from Mach 1, you know, try to get Mach 2 out of this and Mach 3, just teaching. You know, teaching can break a lot of barriers because it change your thinking, change your talk. Man, I'm telling you, the church went to uh, 10,000 a week. I just kept teaching. We're going over 20 years, then it went up to 20,000 a week, 30,000 a week, 40,000 a week, 50,000 a week, 60,000 a week, 70,000 a week. Right. Then I turned turned the finances of the church up to my son, and he's doing great. But then I had my own ministry going here, and he didn't he didn't help. He's busy with his own, so I didn't ask him to help. Anyway, and so then I just went fifty thousand a week, six thousand a week, seven thousand a week, eight thousand a week, nine thousand a week, hundred thousand dollars a week, hundred twenty thousand a week, hundred fifty thousand dollars a week, hundred sixty thousand dollars a week, hundred seventy thousand dollars a week, hundred eighty thousand dollars. You want me to keep going? That's ever seven days. Y'all still here? Thank you for your enthusiasm. But, but I'm telling you, I know what it's like. <laughs> I know what it's like. You just start on the bottom. You're saying, there better be a God. But we started changing our thinking. Every time you give, there's a purpose. We connected to the purpose. Come on, we connected to the promise. And amen. When Dad Hagen came, we gave him, a, what, 125000 the first night. I said, we ought to give the big churches anyway. <laughs> he said, yeah, you ought to give the big churches. So our church is maybe 1,000 people, but he'd go to churches, you know, 5,000. I said, we ought to give them. And so in two weeks, oh, man, he got a whopper of a heart. So one person in my church got mad. They said, how come you gave all that money to Dad Hagen? I said, let me tell you something. There would be no church here if it were not for the message of the word of faith. No church, nothing. We would have collapsed. We have received revelation, and we will give so that word can grow and multiply. Somebody said, did you go broke? No, we just kept going up. <laughs> but one of the guys in my church, he, it, it made him nervous when I'd give like that because he liked to, he liked to handle the, the computer finances. So he started getting nervous. He said, Pastor, Pastor, I said, what, what you doing, Pastor? I said, uh, let me tell you something. I take care of the sowing here. I call it farming money. <laughs> so I got to sow some so I can get a crop. Right? And so we're going to farm some money. But I'll tell you what you can do. When I first came here, we were bringing in 5000 a week. Why don't you manage that? And I'll manage the 180000 <laughs> 
because you kept it five. You kept us broke. Now, if you'll change your thinking, we'll go up together. Come on, God is a generous God. I said, God is a big God. Come on, quit thinking, you know, at the gas pump, you know, and say, I'm at the other beer. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. Come on. I'm a partner with the gospel of Christ. Amen. At whatever level you're a partner, and my God jumps in the middle of every. Woo! Come on. I said, my God jumps in the middle of every one of my needs. Woo, when I needed an opportunity. Ha, ha, ha. Praise the Lord. Did y'all learn anything from that? Don't get nervous. I ain't talking about you giving tonight. You say, how, how much is it coming after, Margaret? No, I ain't coming after nothing. I'm just telling you <laughs> that all of us can break some barriers and go forward. Amen? In generosity, even if you may think I'm not the richest person, but I can out-generous you. Ha, ha, ha. Now, ready to give, God, go ahead and give. But this is for you. You're giving the rest of your life. So don't worry about what you're giving tonight. Amen. Amen. I'm not, I'm coming to put no pressure on you. The Lord is the source of my supply. Amen. You give whatever the Lord tells you to give. But just honestly, I mean, I had money before I ever came here. You said, where'd you get it from? What I'm talking to you about. Amen. <laughs> you're sowing, you're giving, your promise, and your purpose. Y'all ready to give? All right, Father God, I pray a special blessing on this church. We expect some supernatural resources to come in to the ministry and to this church. Supernatural resources. A flow of, of money coming and resources coming in the next 12 months that will cause every pastor in here, every church in here, every ministry in here to have a breakthrough from wherever they're at, from Mach 1 to Mach 2 and Mach 3 and Mach 4, breaking barriers in giving and receiving. Woo, I thank you for a whopper of a harvest in Jesus' name. Amen. Now lift your hands and praise God like he's your source. The Lord. Come on, the Lord is my source. The Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I do not lack for ability. I do not lack for opportunity. I never lack for money. The money will come. I am a tither. I'm a sower. I'm a giver. I'm a generous giver. And it's coming back, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. <laughs> Thank you for a whopper of a harvest for churches and ministries and individuals for the blessing of the Lord that we'll give more than we have ever given and we'll have more than we have ever had. <laughs> you give us richly all things to enjoy. Thank you, Lord, for a whopper of a harvest coming in. In the name of Jesus. Come on. Huh? The Lord told me, always give with a harvest in mind. How many of you are thinking like, oh, God's going to multiply this, press down, shaking together and running over. Amen. Go ahead and receive the offering. Praise the Lord. Y'all forgive me for taking too long, but I believe God's breaking you out. I said, he's breaking me out. Praise the Lord. Amen. I ain't going to show up broken with a sad look on my face. Praise the Lord. And I've been traveling a long time, and I never like to show up broke. Pastor got mad at me one time, and he said, you didn't get an offering. I said, here, you want it? I don't want it. You take it. He said, really? I said, yeah, you didn't take it. You don't want to give to the gospel? You take it. You think I'm going to have money? I have money when you're dead. You understand? You say, why? Because I know the purpose and I know the promise. 
Hallelujah. Probably in just a moment, me and Trent are going to start laying hands on everybody here. I always say everything that moves, we are going to lay hands on you. If you sit real still, we may leave you alone. Amen. And so we're going to lay hands on everyone here tonight in towards the end of the service. Uh, if you don't want to hands be laid on you, that's a good time for you. Grab one of my books, go out there in the lobby and sit out there till that's over with. Amen. <laughs> All right, open your Bible to Romans 14, 17, Acts 13, 52. This morning we taught on the man in Christ, what it means to be a new creature in Christ, who you are in Christ. We talked about the God kind of life, the divine nature that's in your spirit. We talked about the indwelling Holy Spirit, that you're a new creature, which means new in kind unheard of before. You're a different kind of a human that never existed before. So you didn't just get your sins forgiven and someday you're going to go to heaven. You actually have been a, made a new creature in Christ that the apostle Paul gives us the definition of that. But Paul actually calls himself a man in Christ. In other words, you never see yourself outside of Christ. You see yourself as a new kind of human, amen, that is joined to Christ and the life of God's on the inside of you. You're a new kind of creature. Wow, that in him you're filled with the fullness of God. In him you're blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places right now. In him you have access right into the throne of God anytime, day or night, because of the blood. In him God sees you as his very own righteousness so you can live without a sense of struggling and trying to be accepted by God. That you are looking a lot better in Christ than you do outside him. Actually, in him you're blessed. In him you are redeemed in him you're healed in him you are strong hallelujah amen so you are not outside of him you are in christ and i tell people if you're not impressed with who you are in christ you just have not seen him lately let's try it one more time if i you can say well i'm a new creature in christ you go i'm interested no, when you know who christ is amen, and you see yourself in him you're like new kind of creature, a, a new kind of human, a new person in Christ. Amen. And so in him, Paul calls a man in Christ, so certain things that a, a man in Christ would have. One of my favorite verses, Acts chapter 26, where the apostle Paul said, I think myself happy. One of my favorite scriptures. I love to study the life of Paul. Nobody had more adversity than the apostle Paul. And yet nobody was happier. He is a happy man. In Acts chapter 26, he said, I'm a happy man. So I thought, why is he so happy? Well, because he's standing in the place that God told him 30 years before you would stand. And he's witnessing to the king and to the governor and the leaders of the Roman Empire about Jesus Christ. So Paul's testimony is actually in the book of Acts three times. And Acts 9, Acts 22, Acts 26, one man's testimony in the book of Acts three times. This is one man that changed the world. 
and all the shipwrecks and snake bites and stoning. He's writing three, he's writing a third of the New Testament or half of the New Testament. And those letters literally change the world. It scares India to know that I'm coming there to preach. Because this gospel and this message and this revelation, they say, block his visa. Don't let him into Pakistan. Why? Because you are carrying something that's changed the whole world. It is simply Paul's revelation. And so for Paul to be standing there saying, I'm a happy man. I'm a happy man. So if you could do all that and stay happy, that would be pretty good, wouldn't it? If you're happy, you need to notify your face. So let's look at a couple of facets of this happiness, this joy, because a man in Christ is a happy person, a happy person, loving person, of course, a happy person. So look at uh, Romans 14, 17, Paul says this. He says, the kingdom of God, righteous peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. The kingdom of God, so we talked about the kingdom being uh, delivered from the power of darkness, translated to the kingdom of his dear son. We talked about kingdom life, you know, plant life, animal life, God kind of life this morning. So the kingdom of God, so Paul gives you three main ingredients to the kingdom of God. Number one is understanding righteousness, the free gift of righteousness in Christ. Number two is peace. That means you're not upset, disturbed, frustrated. Come on, messed up. You don't fall to pieces. you got the peace of God. Third thing, he calls it joy in the Holy Ghost. So he says the kingdom of God is these three major ingredients. And we got a lot of teaching on the first two. Don't, don't have much teaching on the last two. So tonight, just I'm going to give you a few scriptures on the importance of this joy in the Holy Ghost. Because joy in the Holy Ghost, I mean, you don't have, no, have, have to have a comedian. I mean, you don't have to have nobody telling you a joke. This joy in the Holy Ghost is the most unusual thing that a person in Christ can have is you got this joy in the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost will have you laughing at the most unusual times. You'll even try to tell him, this is not a good time for me to be happy right now because I'm facing a lot of challenges. But there's something about the Holy Ghost. Come on, you don't have to snort it and smoke it. Come on now. All you got to do is get filled with the Holy Ghost, and you'll be the happiest person on the planet. Amen? When you got this joy in the Holy Ghost. Even the anointing is called the all of joy, which means you cannot get a sad anointing. In other words, in the anointed one, you've got the oil of joy. Praise the Lord. So let's just work on it for just a moment here tonight. This joy in the Holy Ghost. All right. So look at Acts 13, verse 52, and I'll give you a couple of these. I'm going to show you the significance of the significance of this joy in the Holy Ghost and what it does. First of all, it is a demonstration of the triumph of Christ. All right, we're going to try that one more time. I said this joy in the Holy Ghost. A happy Christian is someone who recognizes the triumph of Christ, that his victory is your victory. Your joy is a demonstration of Satan's defeat, that Satan is a defeated foe. Come on, I said, your joy is a demonstration to let the devil know he ain't winning and he can't win. Hallelujah. So this joy in the Holy Ghost, and if you look at Acts 13, 52, 
He says the disciples, that's one of the great characteristics of the disciples were, is they were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. In other words, just somebody from the outside observing these people that go to church or these Christians. And he said, they're constantly filled with joy. They're the happiest people in town. They're full of joy. Not without adversity, but they're full of joy. Hmm. In other words, God didn't create you, put you in the earth and say, you need to be miserable. In other words, God put us here to have dominion, and we got that in the name of Jesus. And so this joy in the Holy Ghost, he said, is a characteristic of a Christian is they're full of joy and full of the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. Certain gifts and callings of God are never activated until you are saturated. When you get full of joy and full of the Holy Ghost, there's gifts and callings in your spirit that you never recognize until you get filled with the Holy Ghost. And the, in other words, your whole identity changes and this joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen? So let's talk about it just a minute. All right, so this joy in the Holy Ghost. So it's kind of a different thing. It's not like a regular, just, you know, it's not silly. Actually, uh, it is the serious business of heaven. That C.S. Lewis said, joy is the serious business of heaven. Let's try it one more time. Joy is the serious business of heaven. Anytime heaven is taking care of some supernatural transactions, it will always happen in an atmosphere of joy in the Holy Ghost. On the day of Pentecost, they got so full of joy, people thought they were intoxicated. They thought they were drunk. You can solve a lot of your problems just by getting full of joy and full of the Holy Ghost. And what you thought was a big problem turned out to be nothing at all. So I want to talk to you about receiving, amen, the anointing. And what it is that Dad Hagen called it a demonstration of the Holy Spirit and the power of God. So he said there's a move of the Holy Spirit that will be lost to our generation unless we are taught by precept and by example. So he had 15 years of those, 15 years. I went to as many as I could. Sometimes he would just walk around. And just wave his hand and say, be blessed. Sometimes he'd tap you on the head just a little bit, just boom, tap you on the head. Sometimes he'd just say, be blessed. Amen. Sometimes he'd lay hands on you, and one time he'd tap me on the head, and he said, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. I went, oh, that's what I've been praying about since I was 17. Amen. And so... In that atmosphere of the anointing of the Holy Ghost, sometimes through the laying of hands, but when the anointing is stronger, then I could just get within three feet, or Dad Hagen would just get within three feet. And if you receive that anointing, I'm telling you, the anointing of the Holy Ghost, get on the inside of you, and times of refreshing come from the presence of God, and you walk out of that place like you're on cloud nine. 
Amen. You're like, God's already working in your future. He's already making crooked things straight. He's already making the darkness light before you. Praise God. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. And the Lord told me one time, he said, while you're laughing and rejoicing here, he said, I'm doing something back at your house. And it happened every time. Every time. Come on, I'd go out and say, glory to God, I'm going to sit up front where he can tap me on the head one more time. Because every time I'd leave, go home, new blessing would break out, an increase would break out. Hallelujah. I believe in the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I believe in the power of laying on hands. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. And so we're talking about this joy in the Holy Ghost. Serious business. Serious business. So I, he said, when this anointing is present, he kind of walk around. He said, when this anointing is present, he said, the first thing that will happen is the joy of the Lord start to fill you. And he said, you just start laughing. He said, some people just start laughing. He said, other times the anointing gets so strong. He said, some people the anointing gets so strong, they, they can't stand up. They want to be able to sit up, and they fall out on the floor. That's in the Old Testament. The glory filled the house, and nobody could stand up. Let's try that again. I said, the glory, this Old Testament, we got a better covenant. Amen. And so Dad Hagen laid hands on me in Trina in uh, St. Louis, and he said, I'm going to lay hands on you to carry the glory. So that means I'll teach the Word and love teaching the Word. But there are certain times, if your time's limited, the Holy Ghost can kind of jump things in your spirit and accelerate things that you didn't get by teaching, and you'll figure it out later. <laughs> Amen. So he said they start laughing. He said some people, they'll fall out. And he said, and some people, they'll just start dancing. They'll dance. You know, when I grew up, my mother would take off running around the church. She'd go, whoa, and she'd run around the church. Amen. So that's all seems a little bit funny if you don't know what's happening. You're like, that's kind of unusual there. My mom would go, hallelujah, and he'd run around the church. And then some people start rejoicing. Some people start dancing. It's just like a Holy Ghost meeting. Well, it didn't happen every Sunday, but you never could schedule it. You didn't know exactly when it was going to happen. And you just didn't know if any visitors was going to be there when it happened. And, and, and you had to explain stuff to visitors. And, you know, and if you don't have to explain stuff to visitors, you don't even have the Holy Ghost in your church. <laughs> Amen. That's why Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost. He said, let me explain to you all what happened. These are not drunk as you suppose, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel that in the last days... God said what? I'll pour out my spirit on all faith. I'm not afraid of nothing in the last days because the Holy Ghost in the last days will be in demonstration through the body of Christ. Come on, no matter what's going on in this world, there's going to be fire and glory in the house of God. Woo, hallelujah. Hallelujah. So it's a demonstration of joy. So my mom would run. We had a guy in the church. He'd dance. We had a woman in the church named Sister Houston. She'd get like intoxicated. She'd like get drunk. 
because she had she was the richest woman in town. She had jewelry everywhere. She she just staggered around <laughs> and she'd fall out. You know, back in those days we didn't have no television, but you don't need no television when you have church like this. You know, people are falling out, and you're like, this is better than television. Hollywood can't do this. So the the anointing. That's why you have very few shootings in Pentecostal churches. It's just so hard to hit people, you know, when they're running and dancing and flopping around everywhere. You're like, I can't get a beat on nobody. So, so it's only when the sitting ducks are there, you know, they'll come in and shoot us out there. But man, in a Holy Ghost church, people are like, wow, praise the Lord. So I'm going to run around the church. And the glory of God would fill the house. And, and then I noticed a breakthrough would come to the whole ministry. Going in one guy. One one man came in, married one of the girls in the church, and and uh, he became a multimillionaire. The blessing of the Lord. Long story, but he's a very generous giver. But he, the Lord blessed him. He came, and gave my dad one point two million dollars in a little town. People at the bank were like, oh, "You got the talking tongues and I got the Holy Ghost, but they got some money down there." So one point two million. He came back the next year and gave my dad another million. Well, this is in a little place, so don't think where you're at, come on, is too difficult for God to arrange a blessing that'll blow your mind, amen? Amen, coming not by your natural talent or ability, but by the favor of God and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And so, boom, they run, and mama would run, and Sydney would stomp, and Sister Houston would laugh, oh. So if you can facilitate the Holy Ghost, Make room for the Holy Ghost. Then the Holy Spirit can do more in five minutes. Come on, than you could do in five years and all the struggling. is just receiving, yielding to, and making room. Acknowledging who he is and who he is in you. And yield to him. He'll light your candle, have you run through a troop and jump over a wall, break you out into new territory, chase the enemy down and stomp him under your feet. He'll never get up again. In other words, he said, the Lord will light your candle in Psalms 18, man, I'm telling you. And the devil been having you running and hitting this barrier every time. He said, you're going to go over that fence and go out into some new territory. So how did that happen? Not by might, not by my ability, but by the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Let's try it one more time. I said, thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. So there's joy in the Holy Ghost. Joy in the Holy Ghost. So when the Spirit of God started to move, and then he'd walk around, and he'd start laying hands on people. Well, then he quoted that scripture in uh, Psalms 126. I thought, huh, Psalms 126, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like those that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter. Our tongue was singing. Then the heathen said, the Lord has done great things for them. Then we said, the Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad. Yeah. Psalms 126. I've got a lot more scriptures. I don't know if I'll get them all to you in case you think this ain't Bible. But there's a lot of scriptures about this. Amen. <laughs> And the Lord turned again our captivity. 
it was like a dream coming to pass. Come on, some of y'all got dreams that have been on hold sometimes for years, and God said, I want to bring that thing to pass in your life. The Lord turned again my captivity, and it's like a dream. One translation says, it seemed too good to be true. All right, you ought to have to pinch yourself and say, it seemed too good to be true. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> so the people are laughing. The Lord turns. Our mouth is filled with laughter, which means it was more than just a ha, ha. It just means I really couldn't stop laughing. Now, I feel sorry for people who never had this. You know, I saw some guy vaping the other day. Like, <laughs> but my brother, I can get you some stuff work better than that, man. I'm telling you, you get filled with the Holy Ghost, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> Whole car was like filled up. Like, <laughs> I got some stuff you can, you know, like one of our presidents said he smoked marijuana, but he did not inhale. So I'm not going to tell you who that was, but he was from Texas. So he said he smoked marijuana, he did not inhale. <laughs> I thought, what good is that, you know? You're like, you're like faking it. And then you don't inhale. The guy next to you, he goes, and he inhales, gets the benefit, you know. I said, people come to church all the time, and they don't inhale. They're like, praise the Lord. Like that. But other people, they go, I want the Holy Ghost. I want to get full of the Holy Ghost. I'd like to lose my mind and get the mind of Christ. I'd like to be filled with the Holy Ghost, change into another person so people won't even recognize me tomorrow. They're like, what in the world are you on? I got the Holy Ghost, man. Whoa. <laughs> but they have like $38 million worth of gold and got it transferred to their accounts, you know, in one movie, and this guy, he was watching his phone, because you ever had, you know, transfer of a large amount of money, you watch your phone, it tells you when it hits your account. So he's watching his phone, he's standing there by the, uh, at the airport by the luggage, and, 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 and it started downloading. When it hit the account, he went, whoo! <laughs> it hit his account. Mommy, $30 million, he went, whoo! And then he said, Oh, people stared at him. He goes, oh, excuse me. He said, I got the Holy Ghost. He said, he said, that's a good train. You ought to take a ride. And then he just walked off. Amen. <laughs> I'm telling you, when the Holy Ghost is working in your life, you can say, boy, I'm telling you, something just happened to my inner man. Woo, I got the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Woo. Hallelujah. Serious business. So I was in those meetings, and so the Lord told me this, you know. We, we uh, had some several things happen that were breakthroughs, amazing breakthroughs. And so the Lord said, in all those meetings while you were laughing and rejoicing, he said, I was working on that right there. He said, you weren't just laughing. You were laughing about something. You just didn't know what you were laughing about. What if the Holy Ghost gave you some joy tonight and you started laughing? And you started rejoicing. People said, what is wrong with you? What, what in the world? You said, well, I'm not sure, but I'm telling you, I'm expecting some supernatural things to break out in my life in the next 12 months. Amen. We got to say, ha, ha, it's like a dream coming to pass. While, while you're laughing here, God's working in the next 12 months of your life. Ha, 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 ha. Ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. 
<laughs> the anointing, he's called it the oil of joy. So now in James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4, it says, count it all joy. When you're having adversity, you're facing a challenge, count it all joy. Other translations actually say, count it maximum joy. In other words, your joy has a minimum, and then it has a maximum. So it says, when you're facing challenge, turn your joy up. All right, let's try this one more time. Come on. When it looks like you're limited, you know, and, and every adversity is coming against you, he gives you the most unusual instructions. You're like, this is not a good time. This time I need to share with others my problems that I'm having right now. He said, no, you need to turn your joy up. Maximum joy. So we were preaching in... Um, um, Close to Vietnam, we were preaching in Burma, which is now called Myanmar. Man, we had an outbreak of the Holy Ghost. Some of the poorest people in the whole world, they got full of the Holy Ghost, full of joy. Man, there's hundreds of them just crowded in a room, just rejoicing and praying. It was the greatest thing you ever saw. We had so much fun. But we left Burma, Myanmar, and it is a military dictatorship. So after we left, the general of that area came in and took away the church property. Man, he said, you got like three days to get out of here. Boy, he was just a mean guy. And so they started crying, and the, and the church people got together and cried until the, the, the floor was wet with tears. And then the pastor came in and said, before you stop this, he said, I want you to know this is not what we learned last week in the conference. We learned to count it all joy. So I want you to stop your crying. All right, let's try it one more time. I want you to stop your whining. I want you to stop your crying. And I want you to stand up and start rejoicing and praising God and laughing and rejoicing. So, man, they just stood up and started praising and laughing and rejoicing. Then they started dancing and thanking God. Come on, I'm going to let the devil know he ain't winning. They started praising the Lord. Come on. Next day, the general came back and said, I'm giving you your land back. In other words, they got their land back, but not only they got their land back, but the property that they had lost was bamboo, and a bunch of us heard that they were taking it, and we started sending money, and they built a permanent concrete structure for their church. Come on, what the devil meant for evil, the Lord will turn around for your good. Amen. And that joy is a demonstration that the devil cannot win. Ha, ha, ha. So if you're going to turn your joy up, Let's see, you would go from one to ten. So one joy, let's see, one joy might be like a smile. We're going to try to hit ten, but let's just see if we can just get a one joy. Come on, when the devil hits you, he don't know everything. He's just watching you. When he hits you, you go. Come on, how many of y'all think you could at least hit one joy before the night's over? They hit one joy. Yeah, I got God working on my side, devil. And if you're going to turn it up again, two joy would kind of be like, ha, 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 ha. 
Well, three joy might be a ha, ha, and then a little shout. Woo! Like a shout. You do that in the elevator, some people to get off the next floor. The ha, ha, ha. Woo! Come on, when the pressure's on, come on, when the challenge is there, when the devil says you're limited and you'll never get any further than there, you go, ha, ha, ha. Woo! The better I hit three joy. Come on, then what would four joy be? Well, you'd have to jump a little bit, amen. Five joy, you may say, I'm going to scoot around the church if you're an older person. And you'd run around the church, amen, or run around your house. Come on. Then you get up to six joy, and you start dancing like David danced before the Lord with all of his might. Boy, and you hit ten joy, and you're just like, I'm the happiest person in the world. And me, me and Trina first got married, my aunt, I talk about my aunt, my rich aunt, you know. She gave us a microwave oven. That's about it. <laughs> Better than nothing. I mean, there wasn't a lot of people in that line. Said there wasn't a lot of people in that line. <laughs> so she gave me microwave oven. We were a little suspicious of that. We're like, you know, how does this thing work? You know, does it leave like little things in your food and stuff like that? Make you glow in the dark. I mean, you got all kinds of suspicions about a microwave and you can't cook no meat in it. You can't chew it after you put it in there. So we were trying to figure out. So I finally figured out the only thing I could do with my microwave is make popcorn. So I figured out I could get me some popcorn. I eat a bag of popcorn almost every night. <laughs> you could tell. So <laughs> I weighed about 165 in. I put me a bag of popcorn in there and watched me a football game, get me something to drink, and boy, you put that bag in there, and you could see in the window. That's so you can look in there and see what's happening. And then you'd set that microwave on three minutes and 45 seconds. If you did less, it would leave unpopped kernels in there, and that would break your teeth and make your dentist happy. <laughs> So you wanted to make sure you got a full three minutes, 45 seconds, so you could get them all popped. And if you go over four minutes, you're going to burn the whole thing up. So I'm very particular about my popcorn. So I came in, and, man, uh, I put my popcorn in there, three minutes and 45 seconds. That thing's going. I got my football game on, something to drink, and I come back and look in there. Ain't nothing happening. 30 seconds, nothing. 60 seconds, nothing. 90 seconds, nothing. 120 seconds, nothing. Come on, two and a half minutes, nothing. Come on, finally, finally, just before three minutes, you get a pop. You go, pop. You go, all right, there is something happening. I got a pop. <laughs> so you're like, this thing does do something. It's working. So then you leave it there, and then the next minute, it starts going, pop, 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 and pop the whole bag. So the Lord told me one time, he said, don't be upset if you hadn't got no pops in the first two minutes and 45 seconds. He said, I can pop your whole bag in the next minute. I went, well, let's pop it, baby. Pop, 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 pop. Amen. And so count it all joy when it looks like nothing's happening. Amen. And go ahead and let the presence and the power of the Holy Ghost pop your bag. One time I put my bag of popcorn in there, looked in there, got everything ready, the football game, and then I, then I came in there. I look in there and nothing happened. Nothing happened for one minute, two minutes, three minutes. I thought there's something wrong. Three minutes, 45 seconds, nothing happened. 
Now look at that microwave. And somebody had turned it off a high and put it on defrost. <laughs> I thought, who in the world turned the microwave to defrost? So Trina's in the back of the house. We had a little house. So you could just had to holler at me. So she's in the back of the house. Thought, Trina, who put the microwave on defrost? She said, I did, honey. I said, you just wasted three minutes, 45 seconds of my life. <laughs> I'm sorry, honey. I had to turn it back to high. So if you hadn't got a pop in a while, you might be on defrost. Come on, if you turn your joy up on high, come on, crank it back up. Put your faith and your expectation back on high. Make room for the Holy Ghost. Start rejoicing before the Lord. I'm expecting him to pop your whole bag, amen. Dreams coming true. Things that look impossible coming to pass. While I was laughing. I said, while I was laughing, while I was rejoicing, while I was praising. <laughs> I thought I should write a book called While I Was Laughing. No, not while my head was all wrinkled up and I'm like, it's high, it's high. While I was laughing. And people just think laugh is not very spiritual, you know, they're like, I don't think that's very spiritual. Well, if you're the example of spiritual, we're not sure if we ever want to get there. But listen, the Bible says, <laughs> the Bible says that God sits in the heavens and laughs. Ha, ha, ha. Listen, even if you don't know what he's laughing about, you laugh out of respect. The man with lightning in his hands is going, ha, ha, ha. You say, I don't know what's funny, but I'm laughing. God's laughing. I'm laughing. <laughs> Faith laughs at impossibilities. When Trina went into the surgery with a brain tumor that the doctor said she'll be paralyzed the rest of her life, she rolled down the hall and we were laughing. Devil, you're a liar. I already spoke to that tumor and it can't stay in her brain in the name of Jesus. Ha, 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 ha. I'm not the performer here. I'm just the believer here. God's the performer here. So God can bring it to pass. It's not my job to make it happen. It's my job to facilitate the Holy Ghost. Woo, I said it's my job to make room for the Holy Ghost. You make room for the Holy Ghost and woo, he can take care of business. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> So sometimes you get in a meeting like that and people start getting getting lit, you know, they get on fire. Man, they have Pentecost, they had fire on their head. You can't have fire on your head and act normal. Come on, God didn't give you the Holy Ghost in jello. Come on. The Holy Ghost came like a fire. Come on, you get lit in your spirit, man. 
Come on, you run through a troop and jump over a wall. Things that looked impossible to you last year are now possible to you this year because you're going to break some barriers this year that's going to have you laughing and say, what the enemy meant for evil. Come on, God is turning around for my good. He's filling my mouth with laughter. Ha, ha, ha. Come on, laughter not just at church but in my car and in my house. Ha, ha, ha. So one of my favorite testimonies is Dad Hagen. When paralysis came back to his face, you know, and he went and got prayed for again. But he still had no evidence. So his face is paralyzed. So he said he went home and tried to go to sleep. He couldn't go to sleep because one eye showed, shut and one eye wouldn't shut. He'd go back open. So he's laying in the bed. He said, I can't sleep. Got one eye open, one eye shut. <laughs> so he said, I laid in the bed. And the devil said, this time you're not going to get your healing. And he started laughing. He said, if I, if I could do it for you, it would sound pathetic. Because I was alone and I had to make myself laugh. He said, so I just laid in the bed and I went, ha, ha, ha. Ha, 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 ha. Come on, just ha, ha, ha. Come on. No great feelings, no nothing. Just ha, ha, ha. He said, thought came to my mind. I knew it was the devil. And the devil said, this time you're not going to get your healing. What you laughing about? He said, that's what I'm laughing about. I don't have to get it. Jesus got it for me 2,000 years ago. He already paid for it, so it's mine. I have it now. How many like to act like you have something right now that there's no other evidence in your life except the promises of God that I believe I have received that it may not look like it or feel like it right now, but ha, 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 what, what are you laughing about? Ha, ha, ha. He said that went on for 45 minutes. Most people couldn't last five minutes, 45 minutes, over and over, because the devil is persistent. What you laughing about? He said, the devil always wants to know why you're laughing. He said, I'm laughing at you, devil. What you laughing about? This time, you're not going to get it. He said, that's why I'm laughing. I don't have to get it. Jesus got it for me 2,000 years ago. It's mine. I have it now. You know, when I grew up in a church, you, you had to have crying altar call. You really weren't even a good preacher if you couldn't make people cry. Come on. You, you had to get them crying over something, you know. And, and Trina used to come to the altar and cry. She couldn't figure out what to cry about. But you come up to the front and you, you ain't even spiritual if you ain't crying. Come on, man. You ought to get out there and cry about something. So I'd start thinking about, well, my dog got run over last night. So. <laughs> I used to watch this preacher all the time. And he'd always act like he was crying. 
He'd be, he'd get his handkerchief out. I never saw one tear. He just like, he didn't even know handkerchief. His nose wasn't even running. Listen, the people think that's more spiritual. I thought, wouldn't it be great if we could have a laughing altar call? And whatever challenge you're going through right now, whatever adversity, whatever limitation is going on in your life, I dare you to believe God. I dare you to act like the Bible's true. I dare you to start laughing, laugh in the face of the enemy. Ha, 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 ha. I'm not trying to get it. Jesus got it for me. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Ha ha. Dad Hagen said he laughed for 45 minutes when he woke up in the morning. All the paralysis was gone. He said, I'm perfectly healed and it never came back. Ha 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 ha. Let's try that again. Ha ha. Ha ha. Ha ha ha. I'm so Lord said, how would you act if you already had the thing you're believing for? Well, ha 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 ha. Ha ha. Ha ha. Ha ha. So when we got that 30 acres of property, as soon as we got the property, it looked impossible. The, the, the owner even raised the price. And I said, that ain't no problem, man. That ain't no, I got money, man. <laughs> God is my father. I got money. You raise the price. I'm going to get it, man. Ain't nobody else getting it. So we got the land. As soon as we got it, I got over there. And the Lord said, all those times you were laughing. He said, this is what you were laughing about. So what I want you to see is that sometimes that joy in the Holy Ghost is not just a silly thing. God's doing something in your spirit, and he's doing something concerning your future that's more than you can ask or think a breakthrough in your life. So it's not something just silly going on. The Holy Ghost is getting you ready for the next thing that's about to happen in your life. He's getting you ready to break you out on the right hand, on the left hand, and use you in ways you ain't never been used before in your life. Ha, 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 ha. That's why the devil fighting you like he has is for this day and for this hour for you to do what God's called you to do. Ha, 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 ha. Woo! Ha, 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 ha. Ha, ha.